Welcome to Fast Casual Nation, a podcast that gets with thought leaders, talks technology, and brings you industry insights. I'm your host, Lisa Pepe, and today we have on the show, President and CEO, Bob Wright of Potbelly. Welcome to the show, Bob. Thank you, Lisa. It's good to be here. So we have a lot to get into today. There's a lot of great news around Potbelly things happening. Um, I want to ask you first, how did you get started in the industry? What was your professional background? Because uh, it's usually a great story and I'm hoping you have one. Yeah, thanks. I, uh, I started delivering pizzas for Domino's uh, after my freshman year in college. And um, I was still with Domino's Pizza, had done a number of things 12 years later, including uh, achieved one of my dreams to be a franchisee about halfway through that time. So like I think like a lot of uh, people that started in the restaurant business in the 80s, um, and that was back in the 80s when I started, um, you know, we fell in love with the service element of it. I, I love the idea of, of making food, serving people. I thought the opportunities in the chain restaurant business were terrific. And, um, you know, I, I've been doing it for over 35 years now. Yeah, you're an expert. You have a lot of experience. But I want to ask you, so what led you to Potbelly? Well, um, after leaving Wendy's uh, back in 2019, um, Potbelly is a brand that I'd always really, really liked. Um, I'd been a fan of the brand for 20 years. And candidly, um, I'd seen some turnover on the board of directors, and I thought it might be an opportunity for me to serve a brand that I loved and one that I thought had a tremendous amount of untapped potential. Potbelly has all this wonderful, uh, you know, 40 plus years of brand equity, customer love, high volumes, great food, um, and really, uh, I think the foundations of a brand that should have grown a lot bigger than it did. Uh, as it turns out, uh, as I, you know, made my connections and, and met with uh, some of our existing board members, uh, they had some ideas for something a little more active than a board seat. So. Uh, one thing led to another, and, and I uh, shared my vision for the brand, and it, it turned into an opportunity to join the company. Thrilled to be here. Oh, that's that's excellent. I love that you saw something, you wanted to be a part of it, and you're a part of it now. So then let me ask you, for those who might not be familiar with Potbelly, um, talk to me a little bit about uh, what they could expect from the brand and what inspired the concept. Yeah, it's got a great history. Uh, back yeah. in, um, well, over 45 years ago now, Peter Hastings uh, had an antique shop in Lincoln Park in the Chicago area. And he started serving sandwiches there around a potbelly stove. It was a source of warmth. Uh, it was a place where people would come and gather and, and the sandwiches became more popular than the antiques. Uh, people would hang out, they'd buy a little more. It was 20 years later um, when our founder, uh, the, the person we call our founder who really bought the brand um, and, uh, and, and took it to the the uh, chain that it is today. Um, a lot of people know him by name, Bryant Kyle. Uh, he, he bought the brand in 1996 and it was just one location. Bryant led the company and built it to over 250 locations uh, before it went public in 2013. Um, we serve hot, fresh made sandwiches, salads, soups, ice cream, hand dipped ice cream shakes and the best cookies on the planet. All of that rooted in that that quality experience that uh, people fell in love with at the first location in Franklin Park. Lines out the door uh, waiting on sandwiches at what was an antique shop and, and continued still. 
Well, that's incredible. Um, I, I want to talk to you a little bit about um, you know limited time offers. It's it's a it's a huge topic these days, especially with you know possible issues with supply chain and finding uh, being able to get it to offer LTOs. Um, tell us about some recent LTOs that Potbelly introduced. Well, uh, with a with a brand that's built on quality like Potbelly, LTOs are really important to continue to elevate that quality. But I I would take you a step further back than that. Uh, in the first year in my joining the company, we recognized that the core menu actually had some opportunities to, to solve for the customer. Customers, customer feedback told us that we had some value opportunities. There were some challenges with uh, what you get for what you pay. And so we changed the menu. We streamlined the menu. In fact, we added um, a third size. We made our original and our big bigger than they used to be. And we put more meat and cheese in those. So before you, you go after LTOs uh, and, and continue to lean on those limited time offers, I think it's really important for a brand like ours, any brand, frankly, that the core menu really connects with the consumer. Uh, we worked on that for nearly a year and rolled it out a little over a year ago now. Uh, it's been a huge success. Uh, customers have given us much better scores wow. on our core food. So once we did that, then we could build on that by bringing back some of that LTO news. Like, um, you know, in, in July this year, we did the LTO uh, Euro flat. We've done the Cubano uh, earlier in the year before that. We've brought LTO shakes like our cold brew shake and our pumpkin spice shake. Cookies have been a huge hit. I mentioned how great our cookies are. I truly believe they're the best you can get in the business. Uh, and our customers reward us when we brought out like our lemon cheesecake cookie, our s'mores cookie was one of the best selling LTOs we've done in terms of cookies. And back in uh, February, we did a red velvet cookie that was hugely popular. Wow. Just now this week, rolling out our pastrami sandwich. Um, in fact, today you can get a, if you're a Perks member through our Perks app, you can get a pastrami, buy one, get one free today only. Uh, I think that's been important to us for with important to us as well with our uh, LTOs. Uh, we've we've really made sure that our loyal customers, our Perks customers, get a little special treatment whenever we roll out our LTOs. They know our brand the best. They love the food quality. They're willing to explore the menu a little bit, although most people, you know, kind of go to their favorites. And so by giving them uh, something, it's a, it's a bit of a reward for being a loyal customer. They have the opportunity to take advantage of those things, like a, like a free LTO cookie on cookie day and things like that. Um, now, I don't believe in and, and uh, don't believe it's valuable for the brand to discount heavily. Uh, so it really is a reward sure. mentality for those loyal customers. And you know what happens is they bring a friend um, and they introduce others to the brand. Yeah, of course. And I just want to go back to that one thing. Uh, I think it's Im super important advice that you just offered. You know, make sure that your core menu is on point and no holes in it. And then really think about where can we add value with LTOs? I think that was a great point, Bob. Yeah, thank you. Um, you know, we also took the opportunity, you know, I grew up in operations. So uh, when you can do something that works for the customer and advances the, the life of the associate in the shop, then you really got a good idea. And, you know, you might think we complicated things by adding a third size. The reality is uh, we also standardized and streamlined the portioning that we had all for the benefit of the customer. 
but because those portions were consistent sandwich to sandwich and they had not been, uh, we can actually train someone to work the, we call it the load station, that very first person you interact with when you start right. making your sandwich. We can train them in a couple of days now. It used to take about two weeks. So we made the job easier for our staff and better for the customer. We took SKUs out that were slowing down the line, which customer cares, as you know, in fast casual and QSR. Yes. Throughput is king. It is for us as business operators, it but it's really yeah. important. Customers need to know they can count on that line to move. So all of that was baked into the core menu work. And then we could get back to the excitement of the LTOs. Uh, that's 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 incredible. You know, I want to ask you talking about um, um, looking at things. I, I think I read recently you upgraded your technology. Uh, if can you just tell us a little bit about that and and what are some things that you implemented and and how it's going? Yeah, it's one of the five pillars of our five pillar strategy is to make sure that we are a, a technology connected brand to our customers, uh, for them, and uh, and also for our employees. So we've really kind of taken a three-prong approach to technology, uh, starting with refreshing the app and the website. And you know, frankly, it was more than a refresh. We completely rebuilt the app and the website during the pandemic and rolled that out a, over a year ago as well. Uh, at the same time, we began the process of updating and upgrading our loyalty rewards program. We put a new loyalty rewards engine in place Customers don't see that, but it allows you to do so much more like the things we're doing today with those targeted promotions. And then we've also implemented technology in the shops uh, to improve our efficiencies. Now, that, that process began with the, the app and the web, and it's the most visible. So that's what we talked about with the improved tech, tech stack that we put in place. But, you know, today, 36% of our business is coming through our digital channels. Pre-pandemic, that was in the single digits. Um, and uh, we've gotten great reviews for those investments um, and been able to expand the business and, and keep it growing as a result of that. Yeah, I, I think it's a, uh, really smart to use technology to uh, make operations more smooth, to help. Uh, uh, I even talk uh, a lot about the possibilities of offsetting the labor shortage. When you have great tech, it can really uh, impact impact the day-to-day -day in a good way. It really can. The, uh, the third prong that I mentioned, uh, it, we're calling it uh, Potbelly Digital Kitchen. We just first started talking about it publicly in our last quarter's earnings release. But you know, with all of that customer-facing technology, you've got inputs coming into the shop that are very different. They're coming from different places. They have to be organized and, and fed to the kitchen in the right order. Um, there are things that worked years ago with, with how you would process those orders with chits that would print off of printers and, and all of those things. So just taking a completely fresh look at our back line and automating that back line has very much streamlined the operations for those, those kitchens that we've installed it in. Uh, we've got a standard view of how that will look as we grow and build more locations. Um, and uh, the feedback from our employees is terrific. You see it in the scores. You know this stuff shows up in accuracy, temperature, food, customer satisfaction. And so yep. I think you've got to pull that technology solution all the way through to the last mile or you, you don't get rid of the friction. Um, and you're right, there's efficiency that goes with it. It's not about eliminating jobs, let's be honest. It's hard enough to staff today right. anyway, so it helps offset that gap. 
Sure. And I think um, I, I want to talk to you next about uh, what the growth plans look like for Potbelly. But I think it's uh, inc really, really uh, uh, puts you in a good place to look at tech stack, to look at, um, you know, the digital kitchen before really putting uh, uh, full gas down on expanding. What do you think about that? And what are the plans for you to expand? Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. I think uh, the other one I would add to those foundational elements that you, you, you have to be great at in order to grow a brand. Um, the core operations are critical uh, and our ability to market our brand as we expand. Um, those, are, those are things we've also invested a lot of time in. The other, in the arena of digital, now it's not consumer facing digital, but we have uh, expanded rather dramatically and still a lot of room to grow our digital marketing efforts. Um, and uh, we've, you know, we've been really hard on ourselves to look for the kinds of returns that make that worthwhile. Um, fortunately, I, I say fortunately, the brand has not invested a lot in marketing for years and years. So any incremental investment that we make, we can and, and we expect ourselves to measure the success that goes with that. Um, and then uh, Putting the team in place that we have put in place uh, included a new operations leader and much higher standards, much stronger execution. The systems that you use to evaluate those execution standards across the board, especially company and franchise operations, all of that is foundational to growth. Right. But look, we've done the work. Um, I did hire a new chief development right. officer. We've analyzed every single DMA in the United States. Um, our market holding capacity study suggests that we can build about 2,000 units conservatively and focus primarily on those, those green targeted trade areas that, that we know we can, we can correlate towards success. Uh, we've made a hard pivot from where the brand has traditionally grown. 90% um, of our units are company owned. That's how the brand was built up to this point. Uh, we are going to grow through franchising. So I'm going to seed some of that growth with some refranchising. We've announced we'll refranchise approximately 25% of our company fleet. That's about 100 locations. And then we'll build all of the rest through the shop development area agreements that are part of our development strategy. So um, sure. I feel really good about the infrastructure work that's been done during these last two years to to gear us up, whether it's engineering, architecture, design, the market planning, the mapping, yeah. and all of that that goes into it. And this is a supremely franchisable brand. Um, you know, every time we talk about anything in the restaurant space, we keep coming back home to what makes the brand so special. Um, this menu and the appeal that we have with our customers uh, just ring, rings through every time you look at the, the information, the data that you have. And by the way, it shows up in the sales. Um, you know, we're pacing this sure. year at a million two average unit volume in the sandwich space. That's the envy of the sandwich space in the fast casual space. It puts us in very good stead with margins that have traditionally been far superior to traditional QSR. So you got great volumes, right. great margins, lower cost of entry for those that will be building our new units. And most importantly, I think for franchisees, um, this is a brand, it's a unique place to be at about a 440 unit brand. You'll typically find brands that size that are still super regionals trying to prove that they can go nationwide. Uh, not to be critical of past management, but to be clear, the fact is we've already grown nationwide. We just left a whole bunch of white space uh, open in between. We've got shops in Seattle and New York and 
Wisconsin and South Texas and everywhere in between. Okay. Um, so there, there aren't a lot of questions about how well the brand travels across the U.S. It really is how do we fill it in and how do we grow out these markets and fill them out. Franchising is the best way to do it. Sure. And and is uh, that what the focus will be for Q3, Q4 for Potbelly? Uh, it is. We just announced, uh, what, two weeks ago, uh, two of our first deals, and we're going to continue to do that. So as we sign and close these development deals or the refranchising deals, we're going to make sure that we announce those. Um, you know, we... We are a brand that, and I, as you can tell by my, my tone and my approach and all the work that we've done, there's no question in my mind the, the growth potential of Potbelly. Um, but I'm not the first person that's talked about that. And so there's nothing like the proof in the results and uh, signing the deals, opening the locations. That's what, uh, that's what we're going to keep talking about. But no, it, it really is all five. I've, I've spoken in our investor communications about our five pillar strategy. The first pillar of that strategy is all about the food. Um, great quality, high quality food that satisfies our customers. The second pillar is our people. We can't do anything without great associates. And this is a, it's a fun culture. Uh, it's very people centric. There's a lot of freedom in being your best self when you come to Potbelly and work for us. And you can grow your career and you can grow personally and, and from a development perspective. Third pillar is about operations excellence. Fourth one we've already talked about is that digital effort, consumer facing, as well as digital marketing. And the fifth one is franchise growth. So you, you will see us and you have seen in my two year tenure laying out the initiatives that build each of those five pillars. And then our commitment is to keep coming back and talk about, well, this is what we've done and this is where the success has been. All feeding growth, uh, but not all about growth only. Sure. Well, I also think, you know, the second pillar you said was people. And, um, you know, for some that they're really feeling that and it, uh, as far as the labor shortages. So if you could focus on people, give them a uh, growth strategy within the brand, I think it could be a win-win for, for everyone. You know, I, I told you I started in the 80s. Uh, I started out delivering yeah. pizzas. I've personally been able to experience the excitement that goes for for a person individually when they're part of a growth brand. And when you're part of a rapid growth brand, um, you know, just to use the, the language that's in my heart, it's just a blast. Um, you, you have all kinds of ways that you can contribute and, and roles that you didn't even know existed in more stable brands that have been sort of steady as she goes growth. Many people in the organization are looking at the only career path is to get their boss's job. And while that's still true, you know, we've, we've added, I can't tell you how many new roles because to do what we're doing today creates new opportunities, franchise business consultants. That's not a job we had before real estate development wow. directors in the field. That's not a job that's been in this brand for a long, long time. Um, the digital marketing roles and the customer insights roles that we have, all of those create upward, upward opportunity for people. Same thing happens on the franchise side of the business, a growing franchisee yeah. that starts with maybe they buy four potbelly locations as part of the refranchising effort, but they're going to build 17 more. There's district manager jobs, director jobs, um, all within the brand that people love so much. So it is an growth is an exciting time when you're part of the, the internal team.
So um, I want to pivot a little bit here. Uh, you've been in the industry a very long time. Maybe share what you feel are some of the trends that the industry could see, um, what's happening that maybe uh, you have your, your, the, your finger on the pulse there that you could share with us. Yeah, I, I think we've touched on one of them, and it's no surprise, of course. Digital. It's digital, yeah. It's, uh, yeah. And, I, and I do think, though, um, that the trend has been a little bit of making sure that you have the table stakes that the pandemic put upon those of us that survived the pandemic. Do you mm. have the delivery solutions? Do you have the digital channels? But the future for digital really is about those three prongs I mentioned before making sure your consumer-facing digital channels are appropriate and that they're, they're breakthrough in a way that makes the customer's life better and easier. Um, you know, there, there, there is still rapid growth in app downloads for the top 35 companies in the, in the restaurant space. Why is that? Because going direct to the brands that you connect with, that you like, that you believe in, that you believe are relevant to your life, uh, makes that better than going through these third-party digital solutions. Third party still important today. Um, when it comes to digital communications with the customers, think marketing, but think broader than marketing. It's more about our loyalty program. And the best loyalty programs are the ones that reflect the best part of the brand. Um, you know, it, it's one thing to have a loyalty program, but to have it really reflect what you, you love the most about your engagement with the brand is where the the power really comes from. Um, and our, our new CMO yeah, sure. understands that and continues to build our loyalty perks program uh, to be able to deliver on that. And then as you and I already talked about, there's the, the in-shop technology investments so that the customer's experience is smoother, more frictionless. Uh, they have very high expectations that things go well. They're not really interested in what's difficult for us as, as restaurant operators. They're interested in us in solving those difficulties so their job and their life just keeps getting better. Um, look, I think it's a great time to be in the restaurant space. I think it's a particularly great time to be in the fast casual section of the restaurant space. Um, we, we enjoy this price point advantage against casual that is a significant price point advantage for a not so significant experience difference. Um, and that, that is a reason that we continue to be able to grow traffic uh, in an area where, you know, traditionally we haven't been able to. By the same token, our price point disadvantage to QSR is ever so small. Um, it's a very small step now to move from traditional fast food up to a higher quality food and experience brand like Potbelly. Um, and so to make the choice to treat yourself to something better when you have uh, when you have those options is not a very difficult choice anymore. You know, there's not a lot of dollar food out there anymore. The average check you see, <laughs> there's yeah. not. So this is a this is a great place to be. And of course, all of us in the restaurant space, our number one competitor has always been food at home. And uh, I, for one, as a restaurateur anyway, am enjoying seeing how difficult the space is for the grocery business right now. The pandemic required them to yeah. install a ton of extra labor to support all of the services that they installed to, you know, to kind of hold their right. own during the pandemic. And as you know, in the restaurant space, all that labor translates to pressure on margins and that pressure has turned into inflation. So, you know, uh, gosh, since the 40s, I think it is about 5% of disposable income has been spent on food outside the home. Yeah. Um, 
with grocery inflation where it is today, we're enjoying a smaller difference between what you might spend if you go out and what you might spend if you make the food at home. So it's a great time. Last thing I'll add on that trends space is that, and this is sad, uh, I've got a lot of friends that are restaurant owners in the chain space as well as in the uh, mom and pop space, but the pandemic was very hard on restaurateurs. You know, depending on what you read, and I know you have the data, 15, 18% of restaurants in America are gone. Well, that creates a generational opportunity for market share for those of us that, that survived uh, and are now thriving. Um, so those sure. trends are with us, especially in fast casual. Before I let you go here, Bob, um, I, we're, I really want you to share with us uh, top three ways to step up your digital game. Absolutely. Um, I'm going to go back yeah. to the thing I said already. Um, it, number one is focus on those consumer assets. Uh, app and web is the right place yeah. to start. And it's not just have one, but make sure they're functional. Make sure they're delivering a differentiated experience yeah. that reflects your brand. Um, it has to be brand right. centric. Everything we do at Potbelly has to be Potbelly through and through. Um, we have focused on upgrading our digital loyalty rewards program as right. well, because that's the ultimate connection with that next tier of, of user and that they feel like you truly understand them, that you're speaking to them in a way that, that reflects your relationship with them and loyal customers crave a relationship. They're very comfortable with it being a digital relationship, right. but they want it to feel like you really know them and understand them and you're for them. And the third one is uh, back to our employees, our associates. How do we use technology to make our, our shops operate better? Um, and, uh, you know, if I were in the consulting space and, and people wanted to talk about digital and what they would do with it, it would be those three areas um, that, that I would focus on and make sure that you're, you're creating brand relevant digital experiences for everyone involved in the brand, including those inside. Yeah, that's great advice. You know, I want to thank you for coming by today, Bob. I think it was excellent information. I feel like in this industry, we can use as many thought leaders out there sharing their experience to help us get better as brands and as people. So thank you again for coming by Fast Casual Nation today. It was a pleasure. Thank you. I'm Lisa Pepe, your host. This has been Fast Casual Nation, and we will catch you next time.